Hey guys, welcome back to Celebrate the Struggle. I am your host, Jennifer Hobbs, and I am here today with the honor and pleasure of being in the space of another veteran, Jonathan Her Herbert. He uh, was an army, he is an army veteran. He was in for eight years and now he's uh, working in, with a financial education company, but enough about me trying to tell you about him. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from and like how you got there. Uh, my name is Jonathan, good to meet you all. Um, and good to meet you, Jennifer, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's very easy to remember your name because my wife is also Jennifer. Score. Um, so I, yeah, score, right? Totally. <laughs> J and J. I mean, it's so easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm from all over the place. I've lived in five states from age zero to 11. And then when I was 11, I moved to Japan where my parents were English teachers for seven years. I went to Japanese schools for seven years. Came back to the States at 18 with a half Japanese American brain. Couldn't fit in anywhere. Joined the army. Um, a, because I always felt called to do it. And B, because I felt like the only way that I could actually re like introduce myself into society in a way that would like um, be part of a team type of experience. Um, at that time, I really needed, um, I needed people to look up to. I needed goals. I needed a vision of some sort of a future to move forward to because a lot of times in my life, if I don't have that type of like bigger thing I'm working on, I just lose all direction of where I'm going. So I went in the army, did the army for eight years, uh, joined artillery, um, was a gun bunny, heavy artillery, lived in um, Korea for a year from 95 to 96, Germany, um, I'm sorry, um, then I went to Colorado for two years, Fort Carson, then I went to Germany for five years, um, and uh, geese in Germany, and there I was deployed to Kosovo in 2000. That's where I saw what um, one army could do to another if uh, we're not careful. And uh, it just gave me a new perspective on life. And at that time, my father and brother had started a new company and asked me if I wanted to leave the military to pursue it with them. And so I decided not to reenlist and get out. How when old were that? you then when you saw that uh, uh, what armies could do to each other? Uh, 25 or 24, 24 mm -hmm. years old. Um, and it was, it was more of a, every house on every block had holes in it from mortars or some type of strikes. Um, there were landmines everywhere. There were people that, one type of person that just couldn't stand the other type of person to the point where they call them cockroaches. It was like really weird. It was like a flashback to stuff you hear about in World War II about how people relate to each other. Um, so my experience in the military wasn't um, a lot of, trauma per se as much as um i think the after effects had its ripples over the years mm -hmm. um and one of those mainly is when you leave the military like i left in 2002 to start a company my brother and my father that did not make me like i didn't realize at the time that when i did it like that it was going to take some adjustment becoming an, a, a regular person again from this world that basically provided everything for you to now, guess what? You're being, it's like, it's like being cut at the cord. It's like, it's like yes, it now is. suddenly 
you're no longer part of that group, that organization, and it's in another location altogether. And now you're in the real world, a bunch, a whole bunch of civilians where 99% of them don't know one person has ever been in the military. Mm-hmm. They can't relate to you at all. And now, now I had to rebuild my persona and my life based on knowing that anytime I brought up the military, it almost like bored the hell out of people or people just, they couldn't relate to it. Right. So it was just something that you just kind of put, use your stuff back. And I, I think the military teaches you how to compartmentalize a little too well sometimes. So it was oh easy to gosh, compartmentalize yes. it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. But you're absolutely right. It's really hard for obviously people to relate. And I think for myself and probably other veterans, when you return into a civilian transition into a civilian world, you almost get like angry, bitter resentment, like these ungrateful punks, like they, like you're complaining about this over here, dear God, I can't even be on your level right now. Like, and then, and, and it luckily, like, it sounds like you and myself have both like come to realize that like it's not their fault they can't relate um but right unfortunately some people will keep that anger forever but it's that is one of the another one of the reasons why i wanted to start this podcast is for enlightenment like there's when it comes to veterans and other trauma that people have gone through it's like a sensitive topic, there's stigmas, like it, and there's all these preconceived mm-hmm. notions. And so I really hope that it will bring enlightenment because that transition back to civilian life is difficult. And I love that you described uh, the, you mentioned ripples, like what a great mm-hmm. way to describe it because um, it clearly just doesn't just affect the veteran. It ripples on into the family and the friends and the employer but I mean, potentially for some. No, some. you're no, you're completely right. For me, I was it was interesting because in January of '02, when I got out of the army, here I am going this new process. And at the same time, 911 just happened like four months before. I mean, I was in Germany. 911, we all locked and loaded and started checking for vehicles to make sure there's no bombs on them. Um, but over that next course of that next year, my friends go to war. All my friends from my artillery battalion in Germany. In 2003, you know, I think, or Mar- I don't remember the exact date, but when they deployed for 15 months to Iraq, all my buddies went, I didn't go. And so then you got survival's guilt on the other end or the, or the guilt of not being there for them. Mm-hmm. So you got, the, you got the guilt of not being for them. Plus, you're, I was integrating in a reality that had nothing to, like, like patriotism doesn't, I don't think, hold the same meaning as it may have held 50 years ago. Because people like, like I noticed like during the early days of the war, people started getting these yellow ribbons to put on their cars and bumper stickers, right? It's like that was their doing their part. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't, it was superficial. It's all about saying, it's like, it's, it's all about words. It's really not about action. You see all these congressmen talk about this big stuff at the same time. Where are they when it comes to actually caring for veterans after the fact? Where are they as far as opening it up so there's not a stigmatism where military, like, like, why don't we have more of a conversation? Why don't soldiers go to classrooms to talk to people about their experience? Why, why is there such a, why is there such a disconnect between the two when they say that we're all patriotism and we're all about this and that? And I think that it, 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 it's a cultural thing. It's not just, mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, 
Um, I don't think it's always been that way. I think there was a time before Vietnam that it was much more. And there was a time afterwards and when during peacetime it was, but then the wartime started and never ended. So people became numb to it. Wow, you are just nailing it. I am so grateful you're on here right now. Like everything you're saying, like, I just want to be like, preach on. And I like listeners, like, thank you for being here listening right now. But the, listen to these words, like this is spot on right here. Spot on. I, I love your insight. Do you know it's a crazy, in 2005, a, uh, a documentary came out called Gunner Palace. I'm sure you can still look it up somewhere. It was on Netflix way back in the day, but um, it is a documentary that covered my artillery battalion that went to Iraq for 15 months. So all the people in the documentary, I knew. And so I got to see the year I missed because I chose to get out of the military. And what's even trippier is that when you know the people that are in a documentary, you know their facial expressions, you know what they're thinking half the time. When they're raiding houses and they're scared shitless, and you can tell from your perspective that this must be the biggest mind F in the world for them. Mm-hmm. Like, and not being able to do anything about it and knowing that it's already happened and knowing that all those losses or experiences you weren't even a part of. Yet at the same time, the gratitude I had by making another choice and not choose, choosing to follow that path. So there's like a battle between yeah. both sides of it. Did you feel that... Um gratitude kind of right away or did you have like Mm -hmm. guilt and then you had to work yeah 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 um did you say that oh yeah it is what helped you to get over that guilt like what did you tap into was it just self-reflection what was it it was time it was time it was time it was you know like we were sent there for a specific reason that didn't prove to be real and then they kind of just teased, like Iraq specifically, they were sent there for one thing and it just became another thing over time. But the specific reason why, I, it, it, it kills me that a lot of my friends died and I still don't know the reason why. Um, you can say weapons of mass destruction, but we didn't find those. It, it wasn't this big, like, this wasn't like the end of the world was going to happen if we hadn't gone in there. All, if I, anything, I feel like what we did was we created this massive destabilization of a location that created chaos and continues to this day. Mm-hmm. I don't see any solution that came out of it, if that makes sense. I just yeah. see that we sent our men over. Sense. We were like, hey, you got to go with the, arm, the, the stuff you have, not the stuff that you need. I'm like, what kind of logic is this? Yeah. What, um, did you say your unit that those people, uh, your unit that got mobilized for 15 months in 03 yeah. did you say it was december 03 i think it was march or april i'm not sure of the month i don't whatever the they were part of the deployment right when the iraq war started okay um right when my, the invasion started my 15 month deployment started in december of 03 okay and then went to like february wow. february of 05 and um so when we got there that's what i was gonna say on this when we got there like just the hot mess of like uh trying to up armor i I was a truck driver and so trying Mm -hmm. to 
up armor our vehicles like they sent us to some place in kuwait uh another small base very small like mm -hmm. where where they welded gunner boxes and put them in on the bed of our truck because our mission in iraq um most of, majority of them was we were gun right. security spaced out yeah. in between where um civilians carried the the mail and uh, so we had these makeshift metal boxes where they put the turret on it and that's where the gunners mm -hmm. went on the back of the truck and then after the uh by about December, January, at the end of the deployment, getting ready to go home after we had already lost five soldiers in our unit and had 29 Purple Hearts. The next Jeez. company, the next company was getting up armored vehicles. They were rolling in with get fresh up armored vehicles wow. and like, yeah like so you saying that just reminds me of that and that's like it's like I, I remember in the last like month the government or whatever the army like gave us like two up armored uh humvees and so our unit had a couple of them but yeah those uh you know being expected like... to weld your own pieces yeah. to put on the doors that's that's right. jacked up well, what's jacked up is when the president says how you can work, help the war, war effort is to is to uh, spend your money, mm -hmm. go shopping. You know, in World War II, the war effort was let's band together to give them the best that they can have so they can go out there and fight and use industry and utilize people to do it. In this one, they were like, oh, we'll just take 200,000 troops, we'll win this war in six weeks and be home. And there was no, like, it doesn't feel like anybody that was part of that plan actually thought of the ramifications, much less what they were doing and getting into, unless it was intentional. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, that, that's the, that was my frustration is that we went into a war that had to be fought right now, even though we could have waited to get everything right before we went in, but we didn't. Um, and that's my, and so it's, and it's not about, you know, what's right, what's wrong, or what's left, what's right. It's more of a, just my own perception, which is if the government is always wondering why people don't trust it, because it's never been held accountable for any previous thing it's done. It's like, mm -hmm. trust us. And then you're like, okay, I trust you. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to get cancer now. Trust us. <laughs> I trust you. And then, right. but there's no accountability. There's no like, there's no reconcilization of like, oh, this happened and these people were punished because of it. So it creates an example. It's like in the military, we got the UCMJ which tells us what's up, but the government for some reason doesn't seem to have its own set of rules or codes for anybody else. Yeah. And we have, for, for the listeners listening, uh, UCMJ would be like, you know, going to disciplinary, getting disciplinary action for your actions. But even before disciplinary actions, we do an AAR and after actions review where you assess like, what went well, what did not, what can we improve, improve on? And that's not, seems to not be happening with, and yeah, that, that was one of the, I, I, with the things that have happened over the last really just couple of years, it, it disappoints me that like the example that our leaders are setting for generations to come. Meanwhile, you, you know, we, Oh goodness, 
I don't know. It, it feels like the new goalpost is to become a politician so you have your own future like paid for for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just kind of stuck down and you're not really any part of the conversation. It just is. But anyway, um, but yeah, so I and uh, so I after I got out was pretty quickly. Um, I had PTSD for a couple of experiences as well. Um, but I, I had ADD as well. Um, and I think the struggle for me was going from being part of a team, working on a mission to now I'm part of a team, but I also got to figure out my own mission. Um, that's a huge shift from having leaders who are telling you what's up, what's the next step, what's the next level, what's the next evolution to becoming a leader of your own life. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and it took about it took about a year just to transition from from who I was to where I am that where I was on the next evolution of becoming a civilian. And most of it was just suddenly you go from rules and regulations to there are none. Yeah, you like there's much- the expectations and the structure is so much more clear. You know exactly like you know exactly what what you're gonna wear what you're gonna do what it's gonna look like if you don't it's just so much more clear and right and i I like that you said like then you had to come back and figure out your mission that that's powerful statement and really i feel like this can relate to even a non-veteran someone that doesn't even like just in life in general like not necessarily like for myself, you know, when I got back from deployment, when you said, you know, it took you a year to figure out like what your mission was like for me, like I threw myself right back into school. Like I didn't give myself Mm -hmm. any time to Mm -hmm. feel or consider anything different. So here I am, but 18 years later, I just resigned from teaching after 12 years two master's degrees like you know and for so long I was like no like for like seven years I've wanted to figure out how I could better help veterans like I felt that passion and that calling and then um but I was like other than being a politician like what am I gonna do and I I don't want to be a politician and Hmm. so then after like getting to a dark place and and writing my first book over this last year, it was then that I just knew, like, I don't have to sit here and do what everyone has expected me to do or what I expect of my, just because I have two master's degrees doesn't mean I have to stay in teaching. Like if I feel myself being called to go do this life path. And so then that was when like, I found my mission and so I'm so glad you said that because I, it's so easy to try to like fall under an umbrella in the expectations of other people or life. And so to just really tap into like, who are you? So Jonathan, who are you? Like, who are you? You know, you said you are a partner of a financial education company, but yeah. you're, you're on this podcast talking about very strong words so and I and I know you had mentioned um when I 
asked you a little bit about yourself, you know, that you struggle with like, like keeping that mission, like keeping focus and procrastination, which I can totally relate to. So like, where are you at now? How do you stay focused? What are, what are you wanting and what are your biggest hopes and dreams if money and resources weren't an issue? Um, well, it's interesting. Um, to get to where I am now, it's actually even before that you had mentioned like seven years. Um, and I believe that in our lives, we live life cycles within our lives, like over and over again, like every six, seven years, stuff starts to shift and change where our mindset is, where, where our money is, where, where, where we're going. Um, so it's interesting. Like it took about five, six years of struggle before we started doing really good in our business in 2007 then just leaped up and went crazy. Awesome. 2012. Um, I had a business transaction that, uh, went horribly wrong and, um, I went to a depression for like five years after that. And I'm talking about like, I just stopped caring about anything business related whatsoever. I just, at that moment, I'd been burnt in such a way that I had lost my faith in humanity in a lot of ways uh-huh. and what people were about. Um, luckily, I was married um, to my wife, Jennifer, and we had our daughter, Vivian, which was the biggest blessing of my life because it gave me a mission. Um, and I was a stay-at-home dad with her for two years of her first two years of her life while my wife was working. And um, in 2000, I'm skipping fast forward, but um, I'm getting to a point, which is in 2000, um, 2015, late 2015, a good friend of mine, um, they have this sizable company. They were having this event, um, and they invited me to go to it and gave me a VIP pass to it and said, Hey, we want you to go to the event, but really what we want you to do is stay to the last speaker of the last day and listen to what he has to say, because they've seen me struggle and what I was going through and wanted to make sure that I knew that there was, you know, more options than maybe what I was aware of. So I went to this last speaker last day and this last speaker last day was Dr. Joe Dispenza. And this is a guy who basically took us all through this visual meditation for 45 minutes. And so I closed my eyes. I'm going through this visual meditation. And suddenly I'm feeling energy and excitement and things I haven't felt in years. And I had this realization in my mind, which was if I can get my mind and maybe my body right as well, by doing that, maybe everything else will follow and like click into place. So I, what I did is I went online and I bought this Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's got this audio called I Am Placebo and I just bought this thing for seven bucks. So I can listen to it every morning. And I also hit up an old buddy of mine. Um, dude's like five foot two and this big ass buff Asian dude. Known him for uh, 10 years. He's a very successful entrepreneur, but um, close friend. And I was like, hey dude, um, a few years ago, you'd always given me an open invitation to work out with you. Um, is it possible we could start doing that once a week? And he was like, sure. And so six years ago, um, I started working out with him on Wednesday nights. And I still do that now to this day. Um, but what I've realized was there were two things that were lacking in my life. One is I lacked any kind of clarity. When you move into an depression or you move into a state of mind that whether you're, you know, because a lot of the things are also the habits you're doing in your each day, whether it's you're, either you're smoking too much or you're, or you're in the mindset of um, 
if, if you're not creating new memories, you're just stuck in the same ones mm -hmm. over and over and over. It's like this repeat broken record effect. And for me, I wasn't, I, I, while I was creating new memories with my family, I wasn't creating new memories in business. I wasn't create, pursuing any of those sides of things because I was just totally lost. I, would, I went from being on top of the world to having something negative happen to me and turning myself into a victim versus being a conqueror or versus letting it go. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, when I see someone fall and they get right back up, I have so much respect for them because it took me so long to realize that myself, to really pick myself up. Like, that's one of the hardest things in the world is when, when you're seeing all the friends and all the people around you continue to grow and glow and blossom and you're just sitting there. It's like the world is just passing you by. And while you're time, while time, while everyone's getting older and everything around you is getting older, while at the same time in your mind or in my mind, I was like stuck in a way that I couldn't get past it. Mm -hmm. So I meditated and worked out for a hundred days and suddenly I was able to figure out purpose or figure out what was my next steps, which suddenly opened the door for opportunities that I would not have seen before had I not gone through that process. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say, as you describe, like that everything around you is moving and people are growing and you're just standing still. I feel like I could just totally see all that in my head, you know, with everything fast moving beside me, you know, um, you kind of already answered one of the questions that, you know, I was going to ask you, like, what do you do physically, mentally, and spiritually to like, keep and so boom, you nailed it. But a couple of things came to mind that I wanted to um, go back to you. Other than your wife's amazing name, Jennifer, <laughs> uh, you said something else that I feel like we have in common. Um, so on the mission, uh, on my deployment to Iraq. And I want to, I want to tell this story because um, people won't really know my story, even though there's a clip of about me at the beginning of my podcast, like people will just learn yeah. a little bit about me over time. But part of my story in the deployment to Iraq, my, I met my now husband and mm -hmm. he was hit by a, a roadside bomb and a tr the truck that that metal makeshift box like the truck flipped over and that box was on his face and knocked all his teeth out crushed like all Whoa. this bone like above his jaw and they've done a very good job like you wouldn't even notice like they have rebuilt his upper jaw and whatnot but in his and then we broke up we were both just a hot mess dealing with our own ptsd like i definitely couldn't relate to where he was at he couldn't relate to where I was at. And as we broke up um, in that time of breaking up, he had a child with someone else. And I truly believe that it is my bonus son who saved his life, like going with all that deep depression and that dark place and not having a purpose and not feeling worthy to live. And then, then he had a purpose and he had a mission. And so I feel like Vivian and my bonus son have that in common. And you and my husband have that in common. Who? I said, did you say your daughter's name is Vivian? I did. I did. Yes. So Vivian and my bonus son yes. saved your life and my husband's life. So that's amazing. And um, so Joe Dispenza, you said? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it, that was just the first evolution. Um, yeah, I just, just wanted to write it down to look yeah. at it later, but. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he healed himself. He, he basically got hit by a cart when he was riding his 10 speed one day and a race, he got hit by a car going 55 and these three different doctors he talked to, they wanted to basically open him up and play him and basically help fix all his rib cage and all his vertebrae and everything. And he was uh -huh. like, screw that. And he, he meditated for like three months and personally healed himself from within. Um, That's awesome. crazy, crazy story. But, um, so I, but listening to him, visual meditation is really great for me. Um, I have a business partner now who makes them for our clients to help them overcome fears and and to sync their subconscious mind with their conscious mind. Like a 15 minute, now it's a 15 minute breathing exercise where I'll basically breathe in and his audio, I can share it with you. His audio basically makes it where you breathe in and breathe out like probably about really deep, probably about 30 or 40 times. And while you're breathing in and out, all you're doing is you're pumping oxygen to your blood stream. Mm -hmm. Kind of sounds like yoga nidra. And everyone, there's, there's so many different variations. Um, mm -hmm. This one, uh, and then once you're, you breathe out, he has you breathe out one final time. And then you wait like a minute before you breathe in again. But you pump so much oxygen in your blood that you don't even feel like you have to breathe. Mm. It's the trippiest thing ever. That and while you're trippy. doing that, it's helping you align your subconscious with your conscious mind. Mm -hmm. um, so you can go a little bit deeper in your mind. Um, and, it, and he has you do three rounds of that. And the third round, you do it for two minutes. Interesting. And, which is crazy. Because I'm like, because this is like the best drug in the world. It's just oxygen. Um, and so my routine, cool. my routine in the morning is, and here's the thing is, ultimately what I had to do is I had to figure out over the years the best routine for me. And the one that always works for me is A, wake up, take daughter to school, go straight to workout, do my workout, the gym, go home, journal. I found journal is very effective at writing mm -hmm. down what I did yesterday. Just writing down what I did yesterday. It doesn't have to be, it's the only person who's ever going to access that thing is you. Uh huh. And so for me, like it allows me to write down what I did yesterday. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be like, you, you, it's not like you're trying to write your best self out. Okay. Yeah. It's just about writing out like what kind of thoughts I had, like what was going on. Um, yeah. It's like self-awareness and like uh, mindfulness, right? Right, right, right. Because it also brings up suddenly I'll have memories or ideas that I had the day before that I totally forgot about. Mm -hmm. And now I'm bringing them back up again. And then from there, I'll just write down a little bit about what I plan on doing that day. Um, but it's not about, it's not anything like, it doesn't have to take more than 10 minutes. Right. Absolutely. You and know. for people who are like, oh, I could never get out a pen and do that. Like then turn on a voice memo. They even have a, right. like, a Rev app that will like type, type it out for you as you speak into it. But just that, that moment of mindfulness and clarity that brings me back to something you said earlier that like your life lacked clarity. And when you were able to pick yourself up, I, I mean, that's exactly what celebrate the struggle stands for like let's let's not let our past and our struggles or trauma like define our future like let's let's give it its space acknowledge it but then identify how we have picked ourselves up and we have persevered through it 
Fantastic. You got to keep talking to people, Jonathan. You got some great things to say. Are we going to say the hardest thing what? Hardest thing is consistency. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Say it again, please. Preach on, Jonathan. Just say the hardest (laughs) thing is consistency. Yes. It's easy to talk about these things. And I mainly try to stick to them, but I'm not. There are days or weeks when I just like, but it's interesting because at least by practicing new things or practicing doing the daily practice and in time like now I can I can recognize like what's going on if I'm noticing a pattern that's not moving the right direction mm-hmm. I can look at the choices I make to see if I, it's aligned with getting me in that direction or if I'm reverting back to ways that I was before of being before that weren't necessarily serving me such as something as simple as skin skipping the journaling or skipping the med because I after the journaling I also do the med or something like my morning has to be formed and shaped in a certain way to make the rest of my day amazing yeah um the workout is mainly um to get my blood flowing and to um basically I'm going to be with my wife from that until I'm 70 so I want to be as attractive as I can mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> um and then the meditation is like a defrag defragment defragments like remember back in the day in old computers you could defrag it to get like yes. get all the bad to re like realign yep. everything so you're getting all the little baggage out of there what the meditation does for me is it gets rid of all of that weight and all that heaviness to make the day a lot easier to approach because i no longer feel like i've got all the other day's baggage on my shoulders still mm-hmm basically helps remove all of that for me and the journaling helps give me a vision for the day where otherwise i'd be like okay what do i do next and when you when you run run, when i run into problems like what do i do next a lot of times i'll just sit there and over analysis paralysis and not move forward right Um, you're inspiring me to like be better at mindful practices it's definitely something i've inspired like aspired to want to do like even have my mindfulness journal like right here somewhere but you you're sound like you're killing it on that those ruling your routines and i understand like we're human and you're you aren't perfect well it's it's interesting like it's interesting all of it's interesting like this year I, i have a life coach and this year he was telling me um the relationship between you and your daughter is the most important sacred relationship you'll ever have in your life is like the way that you show up for your daughter in her life will be reflected years on in the future in the type of men that show up in hers mm-hmm. and it just created this huge like holy like yeah like, that was good like, advice well for a lot of times like i mean they don't give you an instruction man for being a parent much less would you want one because every kid is different yet at the same time I didn't realize how important it was to just be present yes. with my daughter or be active in her, like whether she wants to play dolls, bubbles, whatever it may be, being present in that experience without having any pre- preconceived like like notions or preconceived like requirements of how it needs to be in order for me to be comfortable in that experience. Mm-hmm. Because they don't give a shit about all the stuff we give a shit about. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the day to day of stuff we go through. Like the, their their experiences are 
like our our their world is much bigger they don't have all those like things that jade us and change us and mm-hmm. make us what we are today like they don't have all those points of reference and so their world and their imagination is much bigger and broader because they don't have all those limiting beliefs holding them down and so what i learned is is that if i'm present while i'm present with my daughter like we're playing dolls and i'm part of the experience versus like thinking oh this is boring or why am i here like because that's the thing is everything I'm doing is an investment in her future, mm-hmm. right? Everything as a parent, no matter whether you know it or not, or realize it or not, it's not just the money you're spending or the work you're doing, but also what are you doing in the time you're spending with them, mm-hmm. right? Because ultimately, um, our, that's only 18 years. And to be honest with you, like, it's been nearly 20 years since I got out of the army. And so that time frame is not that long. It may seem long while you're experiencing it, but it really goes by fast. And so, well, how I show up for her is really going to impact how she, how she sees the world and how she sees men and how men actually impact her later on in her life. So, that, that's that's very good. Uh, a very good mindset to have. That was good advice that someone gave you. That um, when you look at it in those ways, it really does help you to be present in the moment. That's fantastic you you should keep sharing your insight with people jonathan so much i wish that we could keep talking longer and maybe you'll have a second appearance on here when you tell us more about what you got Uh, you could teach people these different practices you know i don't know i'm getting crazy now i told you it's these three cups of coffee but it's not crazy actually like it's it's just like tapping into like who you are and like clearly who you are is coming through in your words. And I'm so happy you were on here. I, Thank you so much. And, and I know that it's, it's not, it's not easy to, to go to the, that space and like, and put that struggle out there. So thank you for getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and joining us today. And uh, we hope we'll see you again soon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.